Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Reed's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them. And I hope you will, too. If you practice any major religion, there's going to be a a rite or ritual that's expected of you at some point or another. In Catholicism, just from my own experience, that might be a, a First Communion or Confirmation. Now, those are rites of passage, but there are, of course, rites that aren't tied to a specific age. They're more about when you're ready for them, about where you are in your life, and whether you're up for the challenge physically, mentally, spiritually. Today's story, The Pilgrim and the Angel, is about a man, Farid, who goes on the Islamic pilgrimage and ritual of Hajj to Mecca in Saudi Arabia. The only issue is he is not ready for this rite. You might even say he's dragged there. Not quite kicking and screaming, but he's definitely doing a lot of protesting. The being dragging Farid is actually the angel Gabriel. And although the story is about a religious experience, it's actually a lot funnier than it sounds. If you're unfamiliar with the journey and the ritual of the Hajj, it's one of the five pillars of the Islamic faith, part of the legacy of the prophet Abraham. Every Muslim who's physically and financially capable of making the trip is expected to go at some point in their lives. If the person does it right and with intention, it's supposed to be a moment of transformation. There are many steps to the journey and the ritual, and I'll talk about a couple that you'll hear about in the story. There's the invocation of the Talbia, which marks the intention to go on Hajj. Male pilgrims wear the Ihram, two pieces of white cloth. Pilgrims must circle the Kaaba seven times. Then, remembering Abraham's wife, Hajar, and her desperate search for water in the desert for her child, 
pilgrims must run or walk seven times between Safa and Marwa before drinking water from the well Zamzam. When I read this story, it got me thinking about the intentionality and purpose behind ritual. It can be so easy to go through the motions, whether you're just distracted or bored, or even if you just haven't done the soul-searching, you need to really feel why you're doing something. And one more thing. Let me tell you about the author, because she is really something. E. Lily Yu has been writing professionally for over a dozen years, and in those years, she's published about 30-odd short stories. She's also published her debut novel entitled On Fragile Waves, and that book made just about every best-of list in 2021. The Pilgrim and the Angel is one of the award-winning stories collected in her new book, Jewel Box. And now, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. Begin. The Pilgrim and the Angel by E. Lily Yu. Three days before Mr. Farid Halawani was washed and turned to face the Northeast, a beautific smile on his face. He had the unusual distinction of entertaining the angel Gabriel at the coffee shop he operated in the unfashionable district of Mokuttam in Cairo. Farid was tipped back in his monoblock chair, watching the soccer game on television. The cigarette between his lips wobbled with disapproval at the referee's calls. Above him, On the wall hung a photograph of a young man, barely 18, bleached to pale blue. His rolled-up prayer mat rested below. It was a quiet hour before lunch, and the coffee shop was empty. Right as the referee held up a yellow card, a scrub-bearded man strode in. Peace to you, Farid, the stranger boomed. Arise! Farid laughed and tapped out a grub of ash. Peace to you? New to the neighborhood? Not at all. I know you, Farid, the stranger said. You pray with devotion and give generously to the poor. So does my neighbor, said Farid, though that hasn't helped him find a husband for his big-nosed daughter. Can I get you a glass of tea? The one thing you lack to perfect your faith is the hudge. Well, with business as slow as it is and one thing and another... (coughs) Farid coughed. The truth is, may God forgive me, I'm saving up to visit my son. He's an electrician in Miami. Doesn't call home. What would you like to drink? I have come to take you on Hudge. I've got too much to do without that, 
Farid said. He had quarreled half the night with Umm Ahmed over their son, whose lengthening silence his wife interpreted as pneumonia or incarceration or death, though Farid supposed it was simply the cheerful thoughtlessness of the young. He had washed six stacks of brown glasses, caked and swirled with tea dust, his joints sour from four hours sleep, before unrolling his shirt sleeves and sitting down to his soccer match. But for the rigorous sense of hospitality that his own father had drummed into him, nothing could have stirred him from his chair, his chewed cigarette, and the goals that Al-Ali was piling up over Zemelik. His bones clicked as he stood. He reached for a clean glass. But the angel spread his stippled peacock-colored wings which trembled like paper and made the room run with light and said again simply, I am taking you on Hutch. Farid choked on his cigarette. Now? Me? Are you crazy? I have customers to care for. Gabriel glanced around the deserted shop and shrugged, his wings dipping and prisming the walls. Then he vanished. The prayer mat, propped against the wall, fluttered open and enfolded Farid. While he kicked and expostulated, it carried him headfirst out the door and into the clear, hard sky, to the astonishment of a motorcyclist sputtering past. Sir, Saeed, are you jinn or demon? Farid called out. Where are you taking me? What have I done? I am taking you on Hajj, the angel said joyfully from within the rug, his voice muffled as if by a mouthful of wool. If you are taking me anywhere, Farid said, struggling against the tightening mat. Make it Miami. And you have to get me home by midnight, whom Ahmed will worry, and I have to shut up the shop. He finally freed his arms from the grapple of the prayer mat. Below them, the countryside zoomed by, green and very distant. Farid blanched. I can circle the globe as fast as thought, said Gabriel. Of course we'll have you home by then. Perhaps a little slower? I have a heart condition, Farid said. But they whistled up like a rocket, and the wind hammered the next words back into his throat. When he dared to look again, a silver trickle of the delta flared below them. Then... They were gliding over the shark tooth of the Sinai and the crinkling, inscrutable sea. This is really not necessary, Farid shouted. If I sell my shop, I can buy an economy-class Emirates ticket to Jeddah tomorrow. You can send me home now. No need to sell your shop, the angel said. No need to wrestle suitcases through the airport and sit for hours with someone's knees in the small of your back. No need to worry. 
Right, Farid said, miserably. By the time they reached the Arabian Peninsula, the dry, scouring wind had become unbearable. Water, Farid croaked. Please, water. So spoke Ismail in Hajar's lap, Gabriel said within the map. She had nothing to give him but prayers and tears, but I heard her crying out. I struck the ground with the tip of my wing, and water poured forth. Water? Yes, water as clear and cool as glass. That was the well Zamzam. I shall take you to drink from it. Farid groaned a sand-scratched groan, then shut his eyes and muttered over and over the surahs of the dying. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. And every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire. Michelle Obama, to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Hey, pet parents, are you searching for the perfect place for your dog to play? Check out Camp Bow Wow. Our safe and supervised doggy daycare and boarding ensures your pup gets the socialization they crave while giving you peace of mind. With our certified staff and clean and spacious facilities, your dog will have a blast making friends and staying active. Join the Camp Bow Wow pack today. Your first day is free. Visit us at CampBowWow.com. Franchise opportunities available. Now, let's get back to our story. Here we are, Gabriel said, what felt like hours later, lofting a red-faced Farid onto a heap of sand. That's Jufa in the distance. Come, put on your iram. What iram, Farid said. But as he spoke, a bright, cold stream boiled up from the ground, and the prayer mat unraveled and wove itself into two soft white rectangles, which settled like tame doves at his feet. Farid gulped the sweet water, washed himself as well as he could, then peeled off his shirt and trousers and wound the white cloths about himself. The stream receded as silently as it had sprung up, the dark stain it made in the sand drying at once to nothing. He had barely caught his breath when the white drapes shut like a fist and lifted him high into the air. Wonders upon wonders, Farid thought. 
Why him? Why an indulgent father, an inattentive husband, whose kindnesses were small and tea-glass-sized? Why would any angel bother himself with someone so unworthy? Guilt niggled at him like a pebble in his shoe as he sailed over towns and sandy wastes. He could see Uma Med rolling her eyes and shaking her head, hands on hips. Angels? You say angels took you to Mecca? This is why you left the shop unlocked and unwatched? What kind of a layabout husband did I marry? You want me to call you Haji now? Are you kidding me? It filled him with a terrified kind of love. What am I going to tell Umamed? He moaned. The truth! That your piety and prayers have been recognized. That Gabriel himself has led you on pilgrimage. <sighs> she will throw shoes at me, Farid sighed. Look, the angel said as if he had not heard. They were descending through glittering skyscrapers and moon-tipped minarets. The grand mosque loomed before them, a wedding cake of marble that stunned Farid to speechlessness. He had always imagined making the pilgrimage as a fat and successful old man, cushioned by Umm Ahmed's sarcastic good humor and Ahmed's bright chatter. Now, he had neither. Loneliness shivered and rang in him like a note struck from a bell. Farid barely had time to stammer the telbia through parched lips as they flew around the Kaaba. Once, twice, seven times, his body cradled in the unseen angel's arms. His mumble was swallowed up in the susurrus of prayer rising from the slow white foam of pilgrims below. Farid knew he was in the presence of the divine. He was humbled. Here is your Zamzam water, the angel said. A plastic pitcher ascended to them, revolving slowly. Farid grasped it and drank. Now hold tight, the angel said, although Farid had nothing to hold on to. The pitcher tumbled away like a meteor. Over there is the path between Sofa and Marwa, paved, enclosed, and air-conditioned now. Very comfortable and convenient. I don't suppose... No, we shall take the path as Hajar found it, the hot noonday sun beating upon her head. Think your child. Dying in exile. Think how strong her faith, how deep her despair. Farid and the angel swooped seven times over the crenellations and cascades of white marble. As they hurtled over the walkway, dry air whipping their faces, Farid imagined the rubble and grit below the elaborate masonry. He saw in his mind a thin, dark woman plunging barefoot over the stones, tearing her black hair. Her child left beneath a thorn bush to suck thirstily 
at shadows. He thought of Uma Med's reddened eyes and weary, dismissive waving. Leave me alone. My son is gone. And of the phone that shrilled and yammered all day but rarely spoke with his son's voice. The image he held of his son was the photograph of Ahmed in uniform, taken during his mandatory service when he was still a boy and anxious to please. Now, the angel began, but Farid spoke first, flapping his arms as he hung in the air. Enough! Enough! But you haven't. Give me my clothes and my shoes. Your faith is incomplete without the hudge, Gabriel remonstrated. What answer will you give the other angels when they question you? Farid felt cold, despite the thick sunlight. His chest tightened. Where are you taking me? On Hudge! No, take me to my clothes. The angel swerved out of the mosque. They returned to the desert place where his shirt and trousers lay folded beside his shoes. Only a little sand had accumulated in the heels. As Farid stooped for them, his iram fell away and became once more his threadbare prayer mat. Beside him, the angel coalesced into a bluish glow containing edges and angles and complex intersecting wings. Only the vaguest suggestion of a face shimmered in the chaos. He was painful to behold. Shall I bring you home? Farid straightened, dust swirling and settling in his damp garments and sweat-sticky hair. A decision crystallized on his tongue. If this is real and true, and I am not dreaming, and if you are truly an angel and no evil spirit, then you will please take me to see my son. After all of this, after I brought you in my arms to the honored city, to Masjid al-Haram itself? You want to go to America? Especially after all of this, Farid said. If you are capable of these marvels, you can transport me to Florida as well. The angel extruded a finger from chaos and curled it around his chin. Farid said, Hajar burned and tore her feet as she ran in search of water for her son. Did you not hear her weeping? That I did. And out of pity for her and her child, you caused water to flow from barren rock. That is true. Then perhaps pity will move you to carry me to Miami, said Farid. I have not seen my son in three years folded his arms. I did not ask you to come. 
I did not ask to be taken on Hutch. I did not ask to be hauled out of my shop without so much as a note to my wife. Also true. Farid put one hand over his breast, where a dull ache was growing. So take me to see my son. This once. It's the least you could do for me, considering... Deep inside the blue matrix of the angel, polygons meshed and disentangled with a sound like silver bells. All right, enough. Let's go, Gabriel said, dissolving. Back on the prayer mat with you. The rug rose from the sand and hovered an inch above the ground, undulating smoothly. Farid looked at it and made a small, quiet, unhappy noise. He resolved that if he ever made it home, he would buy a new, less willful prayer mat. Perhaps one of the cheap ones, with a pattern of combs and pictures that were made on Chinese looms. Rolled up in his prayer mat, Mr. Farid Halawani of Mukuttam, coffee shop owner and pilgrim, came to an abrupt halt in front of the Chelsea Hotel in Miami. The carpet snapped straight, and Farid spun once in the air before hitting the manicured lawn. His son turned away from his pickup, shouldering a wreath of wires. He wiped sweat and wet hair out of his eyes, blinking against the sunlight and the mirages wavering out of the pavement. Dad? He said, surprised. Farid stared up at the blue sky, bottomless as the one over Cairo, and listened to the strange, extravagant hiss of the lawn sprinkler. A single, defiant dandelion bobbed above his nose, drifting in and out of focus. His stomach was still roiling from the rough flight across the Atlantic. That's it, Ahmed said, putting the back of his hand to his forehead. I'm seeing things. I'm going crazy. You could pretend to be happy to see me, Farid said. You can't possibly be here. You can't. I must have heat stroke. Go drink some water. I'll still be here when you get back. His son extended a brown, broad hand and flinched when Farid grasped it. But he helped his father to his feet. Do you believe me now? Farid said. What are you doing here? Visiting you? You don't call home often enough. How did you get here? The prayer mat lay meekly upon the grass. An angel brought me, I think. An angel? Maybe an ifrit. It was horrible enough. We went to Mecca first, then came here. I insisted. Ahmed stared. Are you all right? 
Of course I'm all right. Did you hit your head? Do you feel feverish? Farid frowned. You think I'm lying? No, I... Ahmed shook his head. I've got a job to finish here, okay? You can come with me while I do it. Then we'll take you home and I'll... We'll figure out what to do with you. He picked up his black toolbox in one hand and offered the other to his father. I don't need to be supported, Farid said. I feel fine. Hey, pet parents. Are you searching for the perfect place for your dog to play? Check out Camp Bow Wow. Our safe and supervised doggy daycare and boarding ensures your pup gets the socialization they crave while giving you peace of mind. With our certified staff and clean and spacious facilities, your dog will have a blast making friends and staying active. Join the Camp Bow Wow pack today. Your first day is free. Visit us at CampBowWow.com. Franchise opportunities available. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Now, let's get back to our story. The truck's tires squealed as they pulled off the highway onto a narrow, shaded road. Beards of gray moss trailed from the trees and brushed the top of the truck. Ahmed lived in a pleasant white box, its postage-stamp lawn planted with crimson creepers and edged with large, smooth stones. No visa, right? Ahmed said, unlocking the door. No passport? Nothing. Very unofficial, this visit. But I don't think you have to worry about getting me home, Farid said. He felt the rug twitch in his arms. His son's house contained only things that were bright and new. Chairs and tables in colorful plastics or upholstered in triangle prints. A glass bookcase stuffed with calendars and phone books. Two photos in chromium frames on the wall. One of the photos was of Farid, his wife, and Ahmed taken seven years ago in Alexandria. The other photograph. Who is she? Farid said, nudging the frame so it hung askew. His son flushed. She's... I met her... uh, a few months ago. I see. A year, actually, Ahmed said, looking away. She's really nice. Very sweet. Really. Does she cook well? Is she a believer? Are you engaged? Farid stared at the picture. 
Does she have a name? Rosa? Ahmed shifted from one foot to another. What do you want for dinner? I could make some food. You do know your mother and I have been trying to find you a good Egyptian girl? Aisha's a sensible woman. Thirty-six, steady job at the bank. That isn't necessary. Apparently not. Farid raised an eyebrow at Rosa, who beamed innocently from the frame. You might have told us. I was going to. When was the last time you called, anyway? I've been busy, Ahmed mumbled. I can see that. Business has been good. I'm glad, Farid said, glancing around the small room. The odor of newness filled his nose and made his chest twinge. Midnight, the angel whispered in his ear, faint as a breeze. Five hours. You'll make a mess if you stay, you know. Hospital bills, no identification, no papers. Farid clasped his hands stiffly behind his back. So, Rosa, do I get to meet this woman? His son's silence hurt more than he expected. Is it my clothes? I'll change. No, you can translate for me. Shouldn't she meet her fiancé's parents? Fiancé? She's not... Ahmed flung up his hands. It's... It's too complicated, Dad. Listen, if you paid someone to bring you here... I didn't, Farid said quietly. You have nothing to worry about. I'll be gone soon. He paused, studying his son. If I let you do what you wanted when you were younger, it was out of love, not wanting to see you caged up. I wonder if that was wrong of me. It was fine. Ahmed began to open and shut the cabinets. Farid sighed. Do this for me, he said. He had spotted the black telephone on the counter, winking with unspoken messages, and now he lifted up the handset and held it out to his son. Call your mother tonight. Just one phone call. Just one. She misses you. She needs you. Ahmed hesitated, then nodded. Reluctantly. Don't worry about dinner. I should go. No, stay, please. I'll cook for you. (laughs) You'll be impressed. His son was different and strange in this house. Taller and stronger than the boy Farid remembered. He had worked confidently at the hotel. Snipping, stripping, splicing... And now he conjured up knives, pans, chopping boards, a blue gas flame with the casual swiftness of experience. 
To Farid's surprise, Ahmed, who had never cooked or lifted a finger at home, made fool with eggs and lemon-sauced lamb on rice. After cleaning the last crisp speck from his bowl, Farid wiped his mouth on the back of his hand and pushed back from the table. It is very good. Ahmed fixed his eyes on the floor, embarrassed. Two daughters, the angel said, three years apart. One will have your strong chin, one will have Umamed's singing voice. Call your mother, Farid said, and give Rosa my regards. I should be going. He glanced toward the sofa, over whose arm he had draped the prayer mat. A corner of the cloth fluttered, although there was no breeze in the room. In their small flat in Mukuttam, in the hours before dawn, Umm Ahmed rubbed a track in the floor with her pacing. Dinner had gone cold on the stove and moved uneaten into the fridge. The coffee shop had been empty and unlocked. She had groped blindly over the lintel for the spare key and found it untouched, checked the register, and found it still full. A thoughtful patron had turned off the television on his way out, though the ashtrays and water pipes still trailed gray ribbons in the air. Through the dimness of the shop, the picture of Ahmed, in fatigues long faded to blue ghostliness, gazed down on her. No one knew where her husband was. No one had seen him since morning. No one knew what had happened. She dropped into a kitchen chair, exhausted, and put her head in her arms, Stars and green neon lights glowed outside the window. Automobile engines roared through the night. She had the sinking sensation of being perfectly alone. Then, on its cream-colored cradle, the phone rang and trembled, rang and trembled. Hello? Ahmed? Habibi, it's been so long. How could you... How are you? Outside, like a scrap of burnt paper, her husband's prayer mat, wrapped around a dark, heavy form, drifted down to their doorstep. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so here's the thing. I read this story, and and I prepped it, and I came in, you know, ready ready to read it. And then Julia, you know, Julia Marie Smith, points out to me the very first line of the story. Three days before Mr. Farid Halawani was washed and turned to face the northeast 
a beatific smile on his face. He had the unusual distinction of entertaining the angel Gabriel at the coffee shop he operated in the unfashionable district of Mokuttam in Cairo. So, being washed and faced to the northeast, this is, these are post-death burial rituals. So, the story begins with Farid three days from dying. And that's when, and perhaps even why, the angel Gabriel comes to visit him and take him on Hajj. It's the last thing he needs to do to ascend to heaven in the highest state of grace imaginable. But here's the thing about humans. <laughs> even, even when God is telling us that this is what we should do and makes the way ready, we still kick and scream. We, we still find a way to say, no, 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 I don't want that. What I want is this. And as I read the story, I'm kind of upset. At Farid. Because why wouldn't you listen to the angel Gabriel? I mean, you know, what, <laughs> what is your problem, man? But then I really get the, in, the intense longing of Farid's heart. Even in the face of being whisked off to Mecca with the, the angel Gabriel, He'd much rather instead be flown to Florida, to Miami, to visit his son because they haven't heard from him for a long time. And even in the midst of this great gift, all he can think about is his wife and his son and the broken nature of their communication. And so I am forced, I'm forced to reevaluate my disappointment in Farid because he is following the conviction of his heart and it works out all right. That's huge to me to recognize that as long as we are following our heart, it's likely to all work out. All of the distractions, all of the excuses, all of the obstacles that I put in the way are simply that. And that if I just let go of all the extraneous stuff and just follow my heart, it's pretty hard to go wrong. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is Julia Smith, the best in the business, y'all. Our fabulous researcher is L.D. Lewis, always happy to have you aboard, my sister. Our editing and sound design by the extraordinary Brendan Burns. And thanks to Talon Stradley for his invaluable production support. Our original theme and credits music is by our own Brendan Burns. My thanks to E. Lily Yu for allowing me to read 
her story today? You can find it in her collection entitled Jewel Box, available in audiobook format wherever you get your audiobooks. If you like the podcast, one of the best things you can do to support it is to tell a friend. Just pick an episode and send them the link. Share the short fiction wealth. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And if you want to find me on the internet, I'm LeVar.Burton on Instagram, at LeVar Burton on Twitter, or the LeVar Burton on TikTok. You can also go to LeVarBurton.com. And hey, if you want to join my book club, go to Fable.co slash LeVar. We're reading together, y'all. Come join us. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.